1: culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision.
0: At this time of year, we might all be able to make a personal evaluation and honestly say where we're at in our relationship with God as a follower of Christ. Some of us will say we're still way down in the shallow end of the pool. Others of us might say we've got some experience and some steady growth in maturity through the year. One of the nation's most significant churches is Crossway Baptist Church in Melbourne, described as a Baptist, Evangelical, multi-site, mega-church. Well, they've got a particularly interesting and powerful take on what it is to build a culture of discipleship. Pastor Dale Stevenson is Senior Pastor at Crossway Baptist in Burwood. He's joining us. Hey, Dale Stevenson, a special welcome along to 2020.
1: Thank you very much, Neil. Great to be with you.
0: Neil, I do want to talk about what you're doing with your church because uh, you're overflowing the boundaries, some might say, from the Baptist church, and you're working with something like 16 denominations with this program you've got. Give us a little insight here into how far widespread your influence is now with discipleship.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, we are working with uh, 16 different denominations. That's across Australia. It's starting to spill over to New Zealand and we're getting some other international interests right now. Uh, the Lausanne Global Conference, they've asked me to speak about this uh, in Seoul, Korea next year as well. Um, what we're doing, we've taken a fresh look at how Jesus made disciples. It's a reasonably obvious thing when you think about it. Most Christians are prepared to agree that Jesus was the master discipler. And yet when we step back and say, okay, how did Jesus make disciples? amazing the sort of insights that kind of come straight to the fore. So what
0: does this look like in practice? And I'll tell listeners very shortly you know, how they can connect with you, because you've got a discipleship program. It's working in your church. It's really influential across these other 16 denominations. So what's likely to change from what you might be thinking you're doing with discipleship in your local church now and what it could look like?
1: Sure. Well, part of this shift that needs to take place, because Western Christianity is kind of the dying edge of global Christian uh, faith. We are, you know, we are the uh, we're the ones where the Christian faith has been in decline in Australia now in our seventh decade. Where in other parts of the world, the Christian faith is really expanding quite rapidly. And so we took we took a fresh look to say, OK, what are what are they doing in these other countries that we're not doing? As well as a fresh look at how did Jesus himself make disciples? Uh, The churches that we work with see a whole lot more people uh, coming to faith. That's quite an encouraging phenomena. Uh, Part of the dynamics that we look at in Western Christianity, we've redefined spiritual maturity or Christian maturity as a knowledge base and a character base. In other words, if I know my Bible well, I've got a good character, I'm a mature Christian. But we can be those two things, but still be really immature as far as being a disciple-maker ourselves. And that's the great commission, isn't it? Jesus said, go and make disciples, and people can be very immature as disciple-makers, even though they've got a good Bible knowledge and great character.
0: So when you talk to leaders and they're primarily the ones and you're these days, you're a guest speaker at conferences and uh, you're on different platforms, not just a Baptist platform, but you must come across leaders who are frustrated about how this discipling culture ought to be birthed and then encouraged and sustained in their local church. This is where you come with some real wisdom.
1: Yeah, sure. Look, the number of ministers, pastors, vicars, and priests, whatever title they might use according to their tradition, that we get to work with, and a little bit in they say, oh my goodness, I've never been exposed to this way of thinking before. Some of them would say, I can't believe I've been kind of a, a minister for over 30 years and really never come to terms with how to make disciples of Jesus. We really can get pulled into the broader agenda of the church and the big, busy program and actually lose the very core and essence of what Jesus has commissioned us to do. And so, yep, that's all part of the real challenge that we have. Uh, we, we coach churches. Uh, it's not just like a conference. We actually coach them. It becomes very bespoke. So it just involves that one church on a Zoom call must involve the minister. They get to bring maybe six or eight people along on the journey multiplication is right at the core of what we cover we have a good biblical look so it's all based out of the bible of course and uh, we have a good fresh look okay how did Jesus multiply what did he say about multiplying how can we personally learn to be disciples that multiply then we look at the broader initiative because it's ultimately called building a discipling culture not developing a discipling program and affecting the culture of a church is a little bit like changing the temperature of the water And once you change the temperature of the water, it affects all of the fish. And it's like that. Once a church gets discipling into the very fabric of its culture, it ultimately affects everything.
0: When you say Jesus, the master disciple maker, and taking a band of 12 and turning the world upside down, he must have got some things right that we might struggle with just putting our finger on uh, so this yeah. is what you've this is what you've uh, looked to do put your finger on those yeah. key essential qualities that that Jesus brought to his discipleship
1: exactly uh, like this rather simple question like how did Jesus make a disciple it's such an obvious question to ask isn't it because we focus a lot on what he taught we focus a lot on his works But really, we can blind spot the way that he made disciples. So, you know, Western Christianity, we quite rightly look at the words of Jesus. We quite rightly look at his works, but we tend to blind spot his way. How did he do this thing? Because it is different than classically the way that Western Christians try to go about disciple making.
0: I mentioned that you're working with something like sixteen different denominations to your own, and it's yeah. not a two-week program; it's a two-year program. How does that work?
1: Yeah, well, look, we actually don't call the program; we call the process on purpose because it is a process. We say it's like revolutionary change at evolutionary pace. You know, you've just got to take it step by step, developing your understanding, your language, your practice what are the implications as it gets into the uh, broader church i think we're able to work across the denominations so well because we're not actually being directive we're being very respectful of the various traditions and because we're being very respectful of the of the diversity of so much that happens inside the different traditions they themselves are able to interpret the principles and apply it locally. So obviously a rural Uniting Church or a rural Anglican will be quite different to a suburban Pentecostal or Baptist and just in different parts of the country. If you're in the Outback or if you're in the CBD, they're radically different environments, but the principles are identical. So we, we help people, churches and individuals grapple with principles of discipleship. They then apply them into their environments And set up their own plans.
0: And how does this work best ideally uh, when we talk about the pastor or the leader? Uh, As you say, it could be a priest or a vicar or whatever you call Mm -hmm. your leader. It's not Mm -hmm. just that leader, but you also have a group of people along with that leader so that it's a group discussion and it's a group opportunity to change and build this new culture.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. Now, the reason we have a team of people going along with the minister by whatever title they might carry is so that there is this collegiate approach to what's taking place. There have been so many environments that are minister-only environments or pastor-only environments, then they are left to attempt to translate it back into their own environment And frequently, that's where it breaks down. But by having a group of people go along with the minister through the journey, they get to collectively develop their language, their practice, there's transparent accountability with one another. And it is that long, slow journey. What we find with churches is that before they start, they feel like two years is a very long commitment. But once they're coming at the far end, they start saying to us things like, we feel like we've only just begun, which is true. And it's quite right, but nonetheless, they have begun. So we're giving options. Some of the churches, like 80% of the churches in Australia have less than 100 people, and and more than 50% have less than 50 people. But some of those churches are saying, look, if the minister plus one person wants to come in, we'll actually get maybe three ministers or four ministers, each with one person, because they're from that size church and we'll take them part of the way along the journey before they can expand it by bringing some other folk in. So we're trying to give opportunities to on-ramp people. And, uh, And by the generous sponsorship of some Australian Christian philanthropists, there are very good scholarships associated with the whole process so that churches don't self-exclude because they would think that they can't afford it.
0: So you want to remove any impediment from ordinary churches taking part in this process. And as you say, it's a two-year program process, not a quick fix. Sometimes are we guilty of looking for the quick fix to the culture of our church when in fact it's not a quick fix at all? We need to be prepared to take some time?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. Look, if there was a silver bullet, everyone would be grabbing it. But in reality, there is not. And we actually have to do some of that long, slow journey and face some of the very sincere challenges that churches face. And But this is where we should really be encouraged and take hope, because for many of the churches that we have begun to coach, at their point of entry, it has been years since they've seen anybody put their trust in Jesus. It's been years since they've seen any sort of growth taking place in the church. But there is a broad narrative across the churches that we're coaching of a fresh wind in their sails. They begin to see people coming to know Jesus. It's a a very encouraging narrative that's around the whole thing. We're encouraged by it, and so are the churches who are coached.
0: Well, I know there'll be some listeners who are very encouraged and uh, perhaps even prepared at a point of frustration even about getting that culture right to be able to call in someone with your expertise and as you say working with 16 different denominations so there's something in here which is discipling just like Jesus discipled. We're talking about building a discipling culture. There's a website I'll point listeners to to connect with Dale Stevenson. Pastor Dale Dale Stevenson is senior pastor at Crossway Baptist. It's the biggest uh, Baptist church in Australia, uh, described as a Baptist Evangelical Megasite Church, and they've got their hand of support and help out to anyone who wants to get involved with a discipleship process. BDC.org.au Building a Discipleship Culture. BDC.org.au Pastor Dale Stevenson, thanks so much for sharing these thoughts with us today on 2020.
1: Thanks, Neil. It's been a pleasure.